You're listening to 101 with Tommy Zam. On the 16th episode, we sit down with Jeremy Ray talking about skateboarding and life. Let's do this. What's up, Jeremy? Made it on. Made it on, dude. Sorry. Sorry. I, I, I'm a little late. I just had to go hit the uh, the uh, porta potty real quick. I'm up at, me and Elle were up at a park just watching the sunset right now. Nice. All right. Yeah. Um, I guess through the thing, I had to download the app to make it happen. Oh, word. All right. Cool. So now I have a official uh, podcast app myself. Oh, uh, yeah. With, with Anchor, right? Yeah, with Anchor. So now I'm officially on Anchor as Jeremy. <laughs> so now, now you can be like everybody else with the podcast. Well, yeah. You, you made it happen. You introduced me to the podcast world, and here I am. So this, this is my uh, little toe in the water. There you go, brother. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast world. Thank you. Thank you. Cool, cool. Well, you ready to get started, man? Yeah, let's kick it off. All right, buddy. Well, you know, I know half of the world knows who you are, but there might be some that might not who you are, but tell us a little bit about you. Uh, you know, I'm Jeremy Ray. I've been skateboarding for a, a long time, a lot longer than some of you have been alive. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm going on what 37 years of skating now, something like wow. that. Wow! Congratulations, dude. Yeah, it's still going. Are, are you up there with Cab or what? I'm I'm hot on their heels. I know that. I mean, he's been what 40, 50 years or something like that. Yeah, because actually Cab started really young. Yeah, well, how, how old were you when you started? I started when I was eight years old. So okay. Yeah, I like, and I call it started as that's when I got my own actual skateboard i mean we had seen skateboards and ridden them before that and even like played around or shared with uh you know my older brother's boards but skateboarding didn't officially start until i got my own you know uh, yeah do you remember remember what board you had my first one was a a Volterra shattered model oh shit it was something um it was like one of the toy store boards that Volterra would put out they were full completes and they looked cool but um yeah, to, by today's standards, it's like kind of a toy store board. <laughs> so that's when you first, so, so do you remember when you first like actually saw your first skateboard other than, you know, your toy story board, you know? Yeah, I mean, because the first one I got for my birthday, my eighth birthday, when we were living in um, California, and the first ones we rode, I think were in Florida. Mm -hmm. So I think someone had like one of those little um, plastic like banana board kind yeah. of ride it around in the street and take turns on that and those those were fun to ride as a kid you know you're just learning how to how to roll and balance so that's that's enough when you're at that age just want to figure it out yeah yeah definitely i mean the, the banana boards are, are kind of back now i mean i see people riding those things it's crazy absolutely you know i mean and so 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 you mostly grew up in california or florida you said you were in florida so were you mostly grew up in california and florida or just only california well, Jonas and I, my brother Jonas and I were born in um, California, but up in Carmel, uh -huh. uh, Fort Ord. Okay. So, yeah, we had our dad was in the military, in the Army, so he was getting stationed all over. So every two years, we'd move. So my older brother Jazz was born in North Carolina. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and then, so after we were born in California, we stayed there for a little bit and then moved to Indianapolis for a couple of years. 
and then moved to North Carolina, then Florida, and then oh. back to California after that. You're, you don't even, do you remember Florida at all? Yeah. Florida was, um, I think, like first and second grade for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I remember Florida. We used to go to the beach a lot and uh, <laughs> go boogie boarding. And uh, if you get there early in the morning, you could find shark's teeth on the beach. Oh, shit. What part of Florida was this? Um, I guess it was near Jacksonville, Florida. We lived in Orange Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was like, that's like a middle of like Florida kind of, you know? Right. So we would drive to the East Coast um, to get some boogie boarding in. They had really mellow, long beaches. Like you mm-hmm. can walk out on sandbars and be super far out in the ocean, but you're only like knee deep. Yeah, yeah. that's not, that's pretty badass. So, so you started up, so basically you kind of started like into that kind of, you know, into boogie boarding and skateboarding mostly in florida right yeah i mean we definitely rode skateboards in florida but we didn't have our own i think it was just the neighbors you know had one that they would bring out and we'd all just kind of push around on it and just cruise down the street hell yeah that's awesome dude that's awesome to think and then when you got to california that's when you officially like picked up your first uh, skateboard magazine got more into it and stuff yeah there were some kids that skated in the neighborhood um and some of the kids that were older than us in school that skated. And uh, this was like right around when the launch ramp days were starting and stuff like that, too. So when you get introduced to all that, it's a whole different world. And, uh, yeah, you just figure out that you want to be a part of it. So you just start hanging out with people that are doing it and learn learn the ropes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you definitely you definitely learned the ropes, man. I mean, you got some mad pop. <laughs> is, that where you, is that where you mostly got your pop from? It's like from doing launch ramps and stuff or, or just like? Just basically learning, growing up and watching other people, you know? Well, the the first time we had heard about an ollie was our brother Jazz was out in front of our house and he saw someone skating down the sidewalk. And Uh our house, it had like the bigger driveway bumps. So it was almost like a a mini cement launch ramp anyway. So Jazz saw this guy riding down the sidewalk and he said that he got to the top of the curb and he hit his tail and jumped in the air. And his board went up with him, and he showed us he got about this high, and then he landed, and he didn't touch his board at all. It was all no grab, and rode away. And me and Jonas both called bullshit. Like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> like, because Jazz used to lie, us, lie to us a lot as kids and just, you know, try to get us to believe different things. And, like, we thought for sure he made this one up. And then, sure enough, we were down at, like, the, the Eagle Rock Plaza. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And this, uh, like, Hessian-looking skater dude with his shirt tucked into his shorts and long hair. And he saw us skating through the parking lot. And he was like, hey, you guys know what an ollie is? You know? And we're like, what? An alley? What's that? <laughs> like, look, like this. And he did one on flat ground. And me and Jonas both looked at each other like, oh, that's what Jazz was talking about. It's, it's a real thing. So from that day on, we tried to learn them. And, uh, yeah, we went home, tried to, like, ollie over like little cracks in the sidewalk or like a rolled up newspaper and just try to figure out how to get that board off the ground and eventually move on to curbs and stuff like that try to ollie up a curb yeah yeah that's not, way through yeah that's awesome yeah because i remember when i learned how to ollie i used we used to like you know put how many boards we could stack up and ollie over or i'll do like you know we have put like boards like plywoods next to each other and spread it apart as far you know see how far we can ollie too you know yeah well, yeah, clearing a board on its side was a huge hurdle. And, like, if you could 
if you could learn that and figure that out and get good at it, then it wasn't too long until you could do two, you know, just the timing of getting up and over something and, you know, keeping your balance right away. Then after that, getting a little higher, isn't too bad. And when you put that second one on, if you like link the boards, right, you know, it's really like only half a board more because like the way it sits between the trucks. Uh So you link them in with the wheels and then it's not that bad. Hey, you're giving everybody some trick tips right there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when you stack up the boards, you stack one one way, one the opposite way, and then the third one goes on the opposite way again, you know? So you link them in, like little uh, Lincoln logs. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, it was pretty cool. I mean, you know, just growing up and learning, you know, learning how to skate. I think that was like, to me, it was like the funnest thing is learning tricks and learning how to better yourself and in, in like doing ollies or front on 80s or mm-hmm. power slides or whatever you know and it was it was, it was just fun you know absolutely you'd, you'd learn new stuff every day if you saw someone do something that you'd never seen before you're like i gotta learn that and you just work on it until you get it and then this was even still before like skate videos were coming around but as soon as we saw our first skate video i mean that's full of tricks you've never seen or heard of like you don't even know the names of most of the tricks you're trying to learn at, at first so yeah, remember, figuring it out do you remember your first skate video you watched yeah it was up at um billy's general store that was the skate shop in montrose and uh they put on the future primitive for us but i think uh it actually started with the bones brigade video show so we had seen that one first and then future primitive had come out but when they showed it to us they showed us bones brigade video show first and it was on vhs in the shop Someone just asked the owner, hey, can we put on a skate video? And they'd wheel it out on this little cart and had a TV and a, and a VHS player and just top, pop it in. So it was cool. We didn't even know that existed until like the older kids asked for it. And we got to sit down on the ground on, on your board and just watch the video. Oh, yeah, dude. That's awesome. And and you do you feel like that's what got you more more into skateboarding by watching like old pal videos and stuff like that? Well, yeah, you see what they're doing, and obviously it's set to music, all edited, cool, and, like, it just looks like so much fun. And then you can think of things that you know of that are around your neighborhood that kind of look like that, and you try to emulate what they were doing and just figure it out from there. And, uh, yeah, you're definitely just playing catch-up the whole, like, you know, first five years, you're just watching what other people are doing and trying to copy it as best you can. You're not breaking any new ground. You're just trying to catch up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And did you – and, like – did you do anything else other than skateboarding? Like any, like, did your parents like, like, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's try football or let's try soccer. You yeah. know, let's get you away from skateboarding or something, you know? Well, in Florida, um, before we were really skateboarding, I had two years of just playing the soccer in the leagues and stuff like that. And I liked soccer, you know, I was just a little kid that could run really fast and uh, was good with my feet. So I was a natural for soccer, but, uh, yeah, skateboarding definitely did me better than soccer would have. Cause when we moved to California, we ended up playing like, maybe two or three years of like the little league baseball. Uh-huh. So, but I was still pretty small compared to the other kids on the team. And I didn't have a lot of strength of the bat yet, but uh, I could run. So once I was on base, I was good to go. So <laughs> I like oh, business, but yeah, most of the time when I was up at the batter's box, you know, you'd be there ready to swing. I'm a little dude. So I'm crunched down. I got a tiny strike zone and the, the pitchers were just learning how to throw curveballs, So they'd throw like a wild, curve a late breaking curve and goes right to your ribs so i was always getting lit up on my ribs getting hit by the ball and then uh get the free pass to go to first base oh yeah dude. once i was on it was good though 
So, so you, so you were basically the the base dummy, right? Kind of. Yeah. Oh, well, if someone got hurt and they need to switch someone out for the bases, they throw me in there to run them for sure. <laughs> uh, how, how many bases you stole? I don't know. I never kept track of anything, and I was usually missing practice because I never knew what day of the week it was, and I was always on my own uh, accord to get up there. So I'd have to skate from my house up to the local park where the baseball field was and like a baseball diamond and go just get myself to practice and, and back. Yeah. So, and, but, and when, and when did you decide to like, you know, get away from baseball and for focus on skateboarding in elementary school, pretty much when I got my skateboard and got hooked on it, that was the last season of, of baseball and anything like that. Cause they would ask us if we wanted to sign up after that. And it was like, no, I'm good. I'm good on my skateboard and you know, everything's fine. So, yeah, but it was the, funny. we were doing the baseball stuff. I was batting 550 because I kept getting hit by the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to picture all of this. When you tell me this story, you playing baseball, you know? Like, I'm yeah, trying to picture it's this. It's funny. Man. I was, like, probably the second smallest kid on the team. So. Damn. And then when it, the Jonas picked up skateboarding right after you or a little, bef- you know, or, well, or what? Our older brother Jazz had a board first. And mm-hmm. I'll borrow his or, like, take turns on his. Because we, uh, where we lived in Glendale, there were a lot of hills to ride down, mm-hmm. like butt boards. You sit down on the board, hold on to both rails, and you just ride down the hill. And we were actually, just all three of us go up to the top of the hill and take turns riding down. And the longer ride you take, then you got to walk it back up. And, you know, the other two are waiting to take their turn. And then that got old real fast. Like, everyone needs a board of their own. So Jonas was able to, like, save up money or get money somehow and he got his first board um right before my birthday so he got his and i waited for my birthday to get mine oh so he got his before you oh shit yeah. uh, <laughs> what was it he got the bonsai board it no was way equivalent to the voltura um he got the bonsai one uh-huh it had like a rising sun kind of graphic and uh yeah all these completes had like the the full rails nose guard and the skid plate on them uh-huh you know, and the pre-cut grip tape, yep, tape like the board. So yep. I even I remember those. one of those Volterra shattered uh, just the decks on eBay a long time ago. I think I got it for like nine bucks. No one really cares about these because they're not like collectors ones. But I found the exact model that I had, so I was what? able. To, and and uh, I had it here, just kicking it in the closet, just stoked to have it and look at it again. But then I realized I wanted to set it up and skate it. So when I was doing my kickflip a day in 2016, I ended up setting it up. And uh, skating it. So I put some cruiser wheels on it and some wider trucks. And uh, it was rad to be able to do a kickflip on that board. Because back when I was skating it originally, I didn't even know what a kickflip was, you know. That that board's where you learned how to ollie, right? Yeah, that's the board I learned to ollie on. But I had no idea what a kickflip was. That was still not around yet until a little later. How amazing is that, dude? You found found a board. You found the exact same board that you you grew up with, you know, or you – that got you into skateboarding you know and then, yeah it was a blank it was the same model so it was like hadn't been set up yet i was able to put the the grip on it myself i did like one of the old school like um torn up grip jobs you know made it look a uh, period correct you know though. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man and then you know so so that's all you know came along baseball you got in baseball you, you that's when then you about eight years old you started skateboarding and then when did you start learn wanting to be not learn, but when did you start wanting to like take it further, like to more sponsors and what got you more into like what actually what I was basically saying, what got you more leading to being a sponsor skater? 
I don't know. That, that wasn't until a lot later. I think all the early stuff was just doing it for fun, you know, and it was me, Jazz and Jonas all skating for fun. But um, our older brother, Jazz, wasn't as interested in learning tricks. He used it more for transportation. Mm-hmm. So we'd like, you know, bomb the hills from school or skate down to the Glendale Galleria, which was miles away from our house. And it was always just skating. And he learned enough to where, like, if you need to get off the curb when you're going fast down a hill and there's that little gutter that you have to clear, uh-huh. you got to go fast enough to pop up and clear that. So even without ollie, you can just lift up and get lightweight and bounce off the, the lip of the curb and clear the gutter. So he got good enough to do that. And, uh, you know, he was always good at bombing hills and going fast. I think he got the worst road rash out of all of us. Oh, shit. <laughs> like butt boarding and getting speed wobbles. Oh. And he came home like everything from like all the way down to his ankle, all the way up past his hip, all the way up his arm. It looked like he got in a motorcycle crash. He was just one big scab on, on the left side of his body. Oh, shit, dude. That's, yeah. I, he was bumping, I, like sticking to the sheets and all that. You know? Damn, I, I remember those road rashes, dude. Bombing hills, man. Yeah, <sighs> good one. And and then that's so that that was your brother. Then your older brother. Then what about you and Jonas? When did you guys started like? Because you guys did it for fun, and then like yeah, because Jazz was three years older than me, and Jonas is one year younger. So we had like you know even those three more years before cars came around and stuff like that to just play around and get to know it, and then you know meet other people that skated, and we started going even like to the parks and stuff. We learned about pipeline, got our uh, Upland Pipeline membership. And uh, would have one of the parents take us down there, just drop us off for the whole day and just watch people skate in these bowls and learn how to go out on the launch bowl. We liked that little, like, kitty bowl. We used it as a launch bowl. Mm-hmm. Try to do tricks out of that. And then you skate the ditch. So we got introduced to all that. And skating the full pipe was always fun. Like, the full pipe was a challenge. As a little dude, you can get pretty high, but you don't know what you're doing yet. So <laughs> get looped out real quick. But, yeah, the full pipe was fun. Hell yeah. And then, so that, so, so you did all that, you know, doing for fun and stuff. And then when did someone like, so did someone come up to you and say, Hey, you're killing it. We want to sponsor you or we want to hook you up with a shop or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess when we were in middle, I was in middle school, at least the local skate shop um, was called slams. It was like a skate and surf shop up there. And um, I don't even know, like we were near Calabasas, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was a local shop and they held like a team tryout. So we went and, uh, skated for this team tryout and, uh, it was up at the nap park. There was a ditch up at nap park. So they held the tryouts there. There was like a ditch and a hip to skate. So we skated that. And of course we were tiny, just, you know, I think I had just learned how to do stale fish grabs over the hip. So we were doing our, whatever we had learned so far. And, uh, I was able to make the team. I think me and Jonas both made the slam skate team. So they gave us a shirt for being on the team. And uh, we'd wear it when we went to the contest, like the local contests and stuff. And uh, that was our first sponsor of any kind. But then uh, we only lived in that area for about two years. Mm-hmm. That we moved to uh, La Habra. So the local skate shop out here was Hot Skates. That was the closest thing to where we lived. So we ended up getting sponsored by Hot Skates, too. And then uh, they were able to take us to the bigger contests. Like we went to Powell Skate Zone for an AM contest with them. 
and uh, got introduced to more of that kind of skating and just being around people that are trying to compete. But uh, yeah, it was all just fun and games until then. Then they're just trying to, yeah, I guess just make our own little videos, send them out to companies, stuff like that. And uh, I guess we had our kind of a breakthrough when we went to skate camp because then you're mm. kind of stuck in there with everybody and they do have little contests on the street course or on the vert ramp. And um, you can enter whatever contest you feel like. So when me and Jonas entered the contest there, I think he got first in street and I got second because uh, he had a, a flawless run where he made every single trick. What? I think I missed like one one of the things, like I popped a kickflip too high or something. And kicked out. <laughs> you know, I bailed one trick. I don't remember what it was. So he got first and I got second. And out to like the um all the sponsors that might be there, like for all the the sponsored skaters, you know, or any TMs or anything like that. So they they took notice, and uh, that's when we started getting a little hooked up. Hell yeah, dude! That's awesome. I mean, that's awesome to think, you know, because back then, you know, skateboarding was way different than it is now, you know, because you had to like try out for things, you know what I mean? To ride for a company, you had to enter contests or or ride for a shot for a long time or whatever, where nowadays it's less social media. Oh, you got a sick part. You just put on social media, you know? Right. You know, whole different world now, but also there's a lot of people that are really good now. Whereas back then it was only if you kind of knew what was going on and put in the time to learn it, it was less people knew what was going on. You know, Mm -hmm. people had access to magazines and videos and, you know, skate scenes and all that. But now it's it's everywhere it's everywhere you want it to be yeah definitely it's awesome you know i mean sometimes i wish i was like damn i wish social media was like around when i was living in pb man (laughs) it'd be rare to see another skateboarder like even even at school or like skating down the street and it was we were our own little small community so yeah it used to be it's just super rare but yeah because it died out for a while in those 80s where people just stopped doing it altogether but uh, yeah, we were able to push through at least me and Jonas because we always had someone to skate with. So we just kept doing our thing. We built a mini ramp in the backyard and kept a little small scene alive, you know? <laughs> so, is, is that when you met Carl or what? Yeah, Carl would have been around that time. Yeah, because I don't think we knew him before we moved to La Habra. I think it was when we started doing the castle contests and stuff. Um, yeah, around that time, that's when we crossed Carl's path. And, and what was it like skating the castle contest? Tell me a little bit about that. I I never really liked them because they made you wear your pads. <laughs> nothing that I hated more than skating in pads because it made you feel so stiff. Like you couldn't move your legs or arms right. And then you got a helmet on that's making your head like balance different. And it's getting so sweaty in there. I don't know. Just everything about wearing pads was the opposite of what I wanted to do with my skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't do pads, man. Like, I yeah. think on my first contest I ever skated in my whole life, and it, it, we had to wear pads, and it was, like, the yeah. most uncomfortable thing, you know? Yeah, if you're used to wearing pads every time you skate, then it's fine. But I never wore them until I had to go to skate the contest. And then you're trying to skate the same with the pads on, and it just doesn't feel the same at all. I'd feel like the Tin Man. Like, you know, everything was Because <laughs> you couldn't bend your elbows even the same way. Like, they, you know, they were just stuck. Yeah. No, nah, it's the worst, worst feeling, dude. But you know, it, it's out there for these people, kids that want to be safe. You know. 
Yeah. No, I, I understand the reason for it. I just never liked it, you know? No. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't my thing either. And then like growing like growing up going being in high school being a skater, was it did they would the people accept you as a skater or was it like kind of like, oh, he's a skateboarder, man, he's a punk or whatever, you know? Well, when we moved to La Habra, it was school had already started on my freshman year. So we didn't move there till the Christmas break of like eighty nine or ninety. I guess it would have been eighty nine. Uh-huh. Right when Right around that Christmas break when 89 turned to 90, that's when we moved to La Habra. So I was a new kid at school my freshman year after everyone had already started together. So I was already the odd man out from the get-go. So, yeah, and then there weren't that many people that skated. At first, I didn't find anybody. And anytime I saw someone with a skate shirt on, I'd ask them, like, do you skate? They're like, oh, I used to, you know, but everyone had given it up, but they still had their skate leftover skate shirts you know <laughs> but, uh, yeah we ran into um our buddy duke matsuyama he was the first other skater we met at the school and i think he was maybe one grade older than me and then he had a buddy um his friend tosh that he skated with so it was duke and tosh and me and jonas we would all get to skate together at first and uh, a little bit after that um jonas met paul luna and uh i guess paul used to skate but didn't have a board anymore. So Jonas uh, hooked him up with an old complete just so he could roll with us. And then uh, Luna was in from there on out. Dude, that's awesome, man. So that's, so that's where you met Paul Luna, huh? Yeah. Jonas found him and uh, found out that he used to skate and said, oh, come skate with us and gave him a board. Like, let's do this. And he was, he was down. Dude, that's sick, dude. That's, that's, I didn't even know that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then do you remember, like, you know, so you skated all these contests and stuff, and you said that's when sponsors and TM started to notice you. Do you remember what company came up or what TM came up to you during those contests and said, hey, I like how you skate. You're killing it. You got second place. You're, you're, you're like your personality. Do you remember what company that was or TM? Yeah, one of the early contests, I think it was just like some kind of street jam. They brought some quarter pipes and launch ramps and other stuff out. I don't even know if it was when we were in Glendale or Calabasas. I think it was when we were still in Calabasas. It was one of the early contests. And uh, I ended up getting first in that one. And I think Jonas might have been in a different division or something. But uh, I remember we got first and second, I think, or something like that. And uh, there was a TM or someone affiliated with Alva. It was a guy named Tonan that uh, was working with or rode for Alva. And he said to call him up, like, you guys are sick. We want you to ride for Alva. I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. But I think uh, right around that time, maybe Alva was going through some changes too. So they weren't really um, building at the at that time, you know? So I think it was the late 80s where everything was starting to taper off for all the 80s companies. Mm-hmm. You know? So that never came to be. I think we just lost connection with that and uh, kind of let it go. So it that would been, until, uh, that would have been, been awesome. Yeah, that would have been rad for early on. And I guess around that time was when uh, Ronnie Bertino was riding for Alva because he was in a, an Alva ad back around those years. So that would have been cool to link up with him back then. But um, when we got on the Hot Skates team, uh, Ronnie Bertino rode for Hot Skates. So when we went to those early contests with them, we were riding in the van with him. So, yeah, I guess me and him go pretty far back. Yeah, because you guys were a bit on – companies together for a long time haven't you yeah well when we got introduced to plan b that was together we had a, an ad introducing both of us on the same little commercial for 411 
And it was like yeah, a couple tricks of me and a couple tricks of Ronnie. So that was rad to be able to link back up with him, you know, later on in those years. That would have been yeah. early nineties, you know? Yeah. I remember that ad actually, that was a badass ad. <laughs> yeah. That was fun ones. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one, dude. And then, so how did, how did you come up with like, come along with like prime and color and all that, you know, how did you come in, in with that? Well, the, the first stuff that we actually got sponsored was through skate camp. Uh, after Jonas won that street contest, um, Shrugi was there and saw him. And Shrugi was the, the team manager for Thunder and Spitfire. So he said he would hook up Jonas, um, like just flow, like I'll give you some stuff. Here's my info and just give me a call and we'll send you a box. And then, um, I ended up talking to them too, and they're like, well, send us a video. They wanted to see like a sponsor me tape. So we got one together when we got home from skate camp, when we sent it up, and uh, they let us both just get some boxes. So I think at that point they were sending us one box just to the Ray Brothers, and we'd have to split up the stuff, you know, a couple sets of wheels and a couple shirts, stuff like that. So we were just sharing the, the first flow boxes. But did y'all have flip quarters for like what, what, who want what? Like, oh, I want that wheel. No, I want that. Wheel. A lot of questions came up like, how did you guys split a box? <laughs> like, yeah. The way it went when it came down to the clothing and stuff, it was like, okay, we'd go one for one, almost like a draft pick. Like, you, you get one, I get one, you get one, I get one. And like, you know, if it lines up and he got the jacket and I got the t shirt, like, ah, you know, <laughs> you just go back and forth one for one. But it always, it's always pretty even, you know. Uh, was there some times where you're jealous? Like, damn, I want that shirt. Or, hey, I'm older than you, Jonas. Let me get that one, you know? No, we just always did it down the middle. Go for it. And it was one for one, you know? Dude, and if that's there's awesome. One of us got it. The other one got the shirt. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, they sent cool stuff in the boxes. You were stoked with anything they were sending. So it was just fun to get stuff in the mail for the first time, you know? I mean, you guys were like, those are like Christmas time for you guys. You're like, oh, shit, we got a box. What's up? Yeah, no, it was always cool to get the free stuff and then, you know, immediately set it up, try it out, and you're good to go. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it lasts you a while when you're a kid, but when you really start skating and filming, you start going through stuff pretty fast, too. Yeah. And then, and then, so that's, so that was all. So y'all got hooked up <laughs> yeah. with the Spitfire like, and Thunder, right? For, uh, for board sponsors and stuff. We ended up sending that same sponsor me tape that I made for Thunder and Spitfire. I made another copy and sent it down to um, Dave Berkthold over at Blockhead Skateboards because his brother Kevin was working at skate camp and he told us, yeah, just send send him a tape. And uh, so we got the, the address to send it to and or we handed it off to somebody. We, somehow it made it into his hands. So Dave Berkthold got to see the sponsor me tape. He showed it to Laban, who was the top pro on their team at the time. And uh, Laban gave it the thumbs up, like, yep, let's call this dude up. So we were able to link up with them. And uh, at the time I got on, they were filming for their next video. And they were about two weeks or so from finishing it. So I got to go skate with them and get a part in real quick. And uh, we filmed a lot of stuff in those two weeks. So that ended up being my part in the Recycled Rubbish video. Yes, that was a dope-ass video, dude. I think that video, like introduced me i mean i grew up like you know my the kid i grew up with arthur adams he was vert skater so he would like you know my first skate video was pal videos like just like you know like you yeah and then, and eventually became gns and then but I, I think the one that mostly got me more and more into skateboarding was like the blockhead videos man because they were yeah. fucking amazing dude 
Well, the Blockhead video, Adventures in Cheese, was like just a black and white, funny video. They had all kinds of like weird little clips they were pulling off old movies and TV shows and just the music and the way everything was edited. It just looked like everyone was having fun. So it just seemed like a cool group of people to get in with and, and go skate with. And it really was. When we got on and uh, skated with those guys, everyone from the team would all link up. We'd all skate together and film together, hang out together. And uh, that was a really solid team, you know? Yeah. And um, and that and, and, and that was when – and so that was your first, like, actual – going out and filming like two weeks of footage with a bunch of skaters you just met or half of you met or whatever, you know, how was that? It was cool. Like we were going to their spots and then they came up to check out some of our spots and just sharing all of our stuff, you know, yeah, let's go skate and let's get what we can. And we were getting stuff everywhere we went. Like just, you know, I guess since you have been skating for so many years and you haven't really filmed video parts you have a lot to offer right off the bat that ha- that no one's seen so and then you're checking out new spots so it's making you try new stuff too so and i don't know you just do a lot and a little nervous no it was more just excited to get out and get some stuff and then you get to see what the footage looks like and it looks so much better on like a good camera with a fisheye rather than whatever we were filming with so that is more rewarding just to see it come back and look better than you even thought it did you know yeah. Whereas we were used to like trying something, thinking it was good, and you look at the footage, like, oh man, that looks pretty bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, you're not like, hey, let me redo that again. Hold on. Let me do that again. You know? Yeah. That's sick, dude. Like, that's, uh, yeah, because I remember that video. That video was like amazing video, dude. That Was that the one with, uh, what's his name? Rick, uh, Ricky, Rick, uh, I, can't, I can't pronounce his last name. Jamarlo? Jamarlo? Caramello. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was one of our homies. We'd skate with him a lot. Yeah, Dude, I love this part. And he would come out and stay with uh, Bergthold. So we'd skate street with him. He was more of like, he was more tech than most of us. He was doing all kinds of switch stuff and the harder flip tricks and stuff, skating to hip hop music. Like he was kind of keyed into what was going on around the time more so than we were, you know? Yeah, I used I used to copy his style, dude. I used to wear his like white tees and the khakis mm-hmm. and those brown like, um, uh, was I think it was Airwalks he was riding? I can't remember, but they were like the solid brown ones, brown shoes. Yeah, it could have yeah, been. I, we were all skating Airwalks back then. Yeah, I used to copy his style, man. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were all skating Airwalks. I, I think I liked the gym shoes back then when they came out. Which ones were those? They were the ones that were really clean looking. Um, they almost looked like an Adidas Stan Smith, but they wore out really fast. They were the ones like Jason Lee used to rock the, the gym shoe a lot. Yes, I remember because the ones I loved the most were the ones that were all brown with the brown gum, right? Tan, tan like gum. Airwalk, uh, saris. The saris yeah. good, and then there was also the Airwalk ones before that. So blockhead days, I was pretty much rocking Airwalk ones. I think. Yeah, they were the ones that had like a big stripe going down where the laces go. Yeah, yeah, dude. Airwalks are pretty. I'm, dude, I, I, I admit it. Airwalks are pretty badass back then, dude. Was, well, they were comfortable and they skated good and. uh they were based out of San Diego. So, you know, someone knew someone who knew someone who could get us some shoes. So we started getting shoes for free to skate in. And then before you know it, we're shooting for ads, you know, and I got an Airwalk ad. And uh, yeah, like, but I guess around that time, they started kind of branching out of skateboarding and making like shoes for the mainstream. 
So they kind of changed what they were doing over those next like five years, you know? Yeah. So, but that was a good introduction to skate shoes. I mean, they were, they were good. Yeah, they definitely were, man. They were my favorite. The Saris were my favorite ones, dude. Like I loved those. I would buy like so many pairs of those, dude, just to have them, you know? Yeah. They were the best, best ones. Yeah. And, and, but it was crazy to think, you know, I was, I was listening to you talking and, and it was just crazy to think because coming from when you were eight years old mm-hmm. and starting your, you know, getting your first board and, and riding and getting into it and, to, and then now you're riding the companies and, and getting your first ad and filming with your first real team. Like, that's yeah, fucking, that's fucking awesome, dude. This is just to think that, you know, what all that stuff, like I didn't get sponsored. I don't think until I was about 17. Uh-huh. So I'd, I'd been skating for almost 10 years without being sponsored or trying to be sponsored or even filming for videos or anything. So it was just 10 years of playing around on my skateboard until someone said, Hey, like, I think you can, uh, you can do this and why don't you come film and, and shoot ads and stuff. And, uh, yeah, with, with that kind of a, a deeper background in skating, I wasn't just learning stuff. I'd already, you know, kind of got the balance down and understood how that board's going to move. So when it came time to actually get to work on it, it was a little bit easier. I had a good foundation to, to build off of, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. That's pretty awesome, dude. Just, just to think that, you know what I mean? Like you were just, you're just an average kid. Just, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to cruise around and have a good time with my homies and brothers and just chill. And then all of a sudden the door opens to you, you know, and you're like, Whoa, yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> well, as someone says, okay, you, like we need something for an ad. You know, you think of what you got and what you can do and you want to do the best thing you can. So you push yourself a little further, try to get something bigger and better than you've done before. Just so your ad is good. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of like leads you in that direction because you don't want to have something in there that everyone's like, oh, what's that? Like, you know, anyone, <laughs> you know, you want to have something good. Yeah. So you just do either something that hasn't been done or something that's a little bit bigger than anything else. And uh, one or the other, you just got to have something new. No, that's awesome to think. And then, so, so after, so how long were you on for Blockhead? I think for about two years, maybe. Okay. Because it was right around that time we'd been filming for the Recycled Rubbish. That one came out. And then um, pretty much right after that, we started filming for the next video. And uh, I had more time to film for the next one. That one ended up being uh, Debbie Does Blockhead. Oh, that was a dope one. And in that one, since we had the, all that time to film, I ended up with the last part in that video. So we got a lot of footage and, you know, it was around that time, like I'm still living at home and I don't have a job or any other responsibilities. All I have to do is skate. And uh, yeah, it's just really easy to skate every day. It's just get out of school and go skate. So and on the weekends, we'd take the Amtrak down to San Diego and uh, Dave Bergthold would pick us up. And we stay at his house and just film all weekend, just go skate spots all around San Diego. And then at the end of that, we'd take the Amtrak back up, go back home and go back to do that week of school again. So, yeah. You're you're, you're living the skater's life. (laughs) Skater's dream, basically, you know? Yeah, we didn't have anything. We didn't have any money. We didn't have cars. We didn't have nothing. Just just a skateboard and a... Amtrak. And someone who was able to hook up our Amtrak. You know, I think... I think uh, our mom would buy us the Amtrak tickets to go down there. Cause I don't think anyone else was hooking us up, and we didn't have any money. So, yeah, she must have been buying the tickets for us round trip for us to go there and back. Yeah, that's but, pretty awesome, dude. I mean, I mean, that's awesome yeah. to have your mom or your parents backing you up for what you love to do, you know? 
Yeah. Because no, I mean, they drive us down to Mike McGill's skate park too, and just drop us off for the day. They'd go do something else, and we'd just skate the skate park all day. So that's you know we'd skate the mostly like the mini ramp spine and stuff like that. There was also like the there was like the cement bowls that were like fishing ponds uh-huh. that you could launch out over a, a wall. So we'd launch over that thing, and then uh, we would skate the vert ramp, just not as much. If it was like a heated session on the vert ramp, we'd kind of let those guys do their thing. But if it was a little more dead, we would go skate the vert ramp too. And, you know, we knew how to drop in and do the roll in and get some grinds and stuff. But we never learned proper backside airs or anything beyond that. Yeah. And then do you, what's the most memorable thing you have with Blockhead? Like filming wise, going on trips with the crew. Like what's your most memorable thing you have with those guys? It was just all the, the sessions. Yeah, even – Dave's backyard mini ramp, we'd get stuck at the house. He'd go into work and we didn't have a car. So we'd just be stuck skating the mini ramp in the morning. We had a mini ramp bowl. So we'd like, you know, almost play games of skate before it was a thing on the flat ground of the bowl. And then we'd get warmed up in there. And then at some point, Dave would come back and we'd all hop in the van and go skate something. Yeah. There was lots of stuff just in that area to skate. So just skating with all those, all those dudes on the team. He even had like a, a tiny little mini ramp in his garage that was super fun to learn on. It was like a, like a knee high mini ramp and uh, you could do anything on it. And if you fell, you're only falling like knee high. So you could pretty much try anything you wanted on it. It was rad. You're, you're loving that part, right? You're like, damn, okay. Knee high. That's good. <laughs> yeah. It was just fun to learn on. They do all kinds of stuff. Hell yeah. That's awesome. And then when did the, when did the, everything change between blockhead and to your next sponsor? Uh, I guess, Mark Oblo and Chris Margovich were starting a new brand and they called it color skateboards and they were starting to build the team and they had a few guys in mind. And uh, yeah, when I got the call from Markovich and got, got to know what they were trying to do, it just sounded rad. And it was going to be a company that would be on par with the caliber of like one of the world companies, you know, mm-hmm. like solid team. We're going to film a video we're going to make the best stuff and this is how it's going to be. And they just laid it out and like, all right, and we're going to travel and do it all. So, and we did, we made our video and uh, like the whole thing came out great and people still remember the video parts from that one. And uh, we did uh, travel to Europe contests that year and got to do like the Munster contest and one in um, Belgium, I think. There were three made major contests out there. So we did that whole contest circuit. Mm-hmm. Then um, shortly after that, I guess they had problems with the manufacturing that was going on and uh, disagreements about the quality of stuff that was getting made because it wasn't getting made to the standards that that everyone on the team wanted. Mm-hmm. They were kind of cutting corners in places we thought were really important to make it good. So at some point, it ended up just splitting splitting ways and uh everyone had to find new new sponsors after that yeah and 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 going back a little bit so how was it like traveling to europe i mean you know like it's the same thing again coming from eight to 17 to response first sponsor with with blockhead and then now you're traveling to the other side of the world like this is probably like wow this is like a dream come true kind of you know yeah the europe trip was crazy because it was uh me and mark oblo and Chris Markovich and um, and Mike Santa Rosa. So, and I think Chris and Mike Santa Rosa were like just a year or two older than me. So, 
they hung out together more, which ended up being me and Mark Oblo hanging out more. And then uh, Mark Oblo got hurt. I think at the first contest, he broke a bone in his foot because he was skating the contest course with us and just came down funny on something and broke his foot and he flew home. So he kind of just gave us like a little bit of money to get by. And uh, Markovich gave me my part and him and Mike Santa Rosa took their part and they just split. Like I didn't see them most of the time, except for on the contest course. I was kind of on my own after that. Mm. So I ended up um, linking up with the toy machine guys and Ed Templeton was there with his wife, Deanna and their whole team. Like I think Ethan Fowler maybe rode for them at that point. But uh, I just remember skating with those guys a bunch uh-huh. and going, going to like even art museums out there with them. It was ended up being a good trip because I linked up with those guys and they kind of took me under their wing since I was flying solo. Yeah. Dude, that's pretty awesome. I mean, link up with Ed Templeton. How was that, dude? It was good. We'd already known him and skated with him in Huntington because that was our other place. Like, you know how we were taking the Amtrak down to uh, San Diego. Um, on other days, we would take the the bus down beach boulevard because we lived in la habra which Mm -hmm. is straight north of huntington so if you take that 29a bus down beach boulevard it drops you off right by um huntington high school so we would go skate huntington high which is i guess right where ed was living nearby and he would skate that thing all the time so we started crossing paths with him over there so we knew him a little bit but we were still like you know the younger kids at that point he was already an established pro and we were just you know, either not sponsored yet or barely sponsored when we started doing those Huntington Beach trips. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. I mean, just to just to think of going in like Europe, but you're on your own. But then you meet, link up with Ed Templeton and hang out with the toy machine yeah. crew, and then going to art shows and stuff. Is that when where you got introduced to art artwork or art shows and and being an artist and stuff? Is that where you start that started you? No, I was already doing artwork from even before I started skateboarding. I, I've been doing artwork since I was a little dude. I just always loved drawing and painting and just creating stuff. So, yeah, I'd already been to art galleries out here in L.A. with the family and um, been introduced to, you know, that style of art, uh-huh. like gallery art. And, yeah, so when we visited some of the best galleries in Europe while we were doing the skate contest, it was rad just to see, you know, that side of Europe and their art scene so yeah it was cool without linking up with those guys i wouldn't have gone to the museums i probably would have just stayed near the skate spots you know so it was cool to link up with them and just get to see cooler stuff that i hadn't seen in person before like you're seeing stuff you see in in art books now in person on the wall in the gallery you know Mm -hmm. that's awesome that's awesome definitely awesome man and and like so you came back so you came back to the states things didn't work out with you know color with their manufacturer this and that this and that mm-hmm. and where did you, you went to element or did you, was it a company did you have a break in between brands or what well since everyone was looking for sponsors we we're trying to figure out what to do next everyone knew that color had kind of dissipated or broken up so um i had still been riding for thunder and spitfire so deluxe was in the mix a little bit and uh, i almost ended up riding for real skateboards at that point what that would have been sick dude jeremy ray on real <laughs> that yeah. been the illest, it, dude. It possibility for sure like uh jeff clint came down to my house and uh made me a solid offer to ride for real but um i had already talked to some of the guys at plan b 
and there was a possibility I might be able to ride for plan B. And I didn't want to ride for one of the world companies, but I didn't consider plan B to be strictly a world company because they had their own um, offices down in San Diego. They had their own um, whole get up, whole team manager and uh, a whole different team. And even though their stuff was made through world, it was more of a partnership. So I was like, and plan B made the best skate videos. Yeah. So I was like, I have a chance to be part of that team. That's what I would want to do over anything else, you know? Yeah. But I I definitely loved real skateboards. I loved everything deluxe. I loved Thunder and Spitfire. You know, had a lot of love for Jim and Tommy. Like Jim Thibault was awesome and Tommy was always good to us. When we went up to see their um whole deluxe operation when we were little guys, we'd go skate in San Francisco. We got to go through the offices and they showed us um Kevin Ansel was their artist at the time. Mm-hmm. He was doing all the art. So I got to see all the graphics that he was making, everything, you know, on his walls from stuff he'd already done and then stuff on the desk that they were currently working on. Like it was super inspirational just to see, you know, the face behind the artwork that they were putting out. I don't know. Just everything they did was really cool too. But when it came down to, you know, deciding where I wanted to be, I thought plan B was going to be the company that would be the most stable and be around forever. And uh, it probably would have been if Mike Ternansky hadn't passed away. Yeah, rest in he peace, dude. Leading the whole brand. Mm-hmm. And without him, it was really hard for anyone else to pick up the pieces and, and see his whole vision for it. So it was a, it was a huge loss when we lost Mike because there was no, no one else who could fill that role at all. I mean, he was one of a kind, and he knew what he was up to. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, because plan B is like, I mean, I know Plan B's now, but Plan B in in the nineties is like legendary, you know, with you and and you know, Pat Chinita, like everybody a part of that. That's just insane, you know? Yeah, and right when I got on Plan B, I didn't know that the girl guys had already split. Mm-hmm. I got on right when it happened and before the news had had really broke. So I was talking to Mike Ternaski about getting on the team, and that's he told me, well, just so you know, this is what's happening. And all of these guys, he went down the list of guys that were leaving. I was like, what? And then he said, but, you know, Danny and Colin are staying. Duffy's staying. And uh, a couple more people that were going to stay with the brand. I was like, okay. And then we were going to be part of the rebuilding. That's where me and uh, Ronnie Bertino and uh, Pat Chinita all were part of the rebuilding of the of the brand. And that's when Alf came on, right? I don't think he ever wrote for Plan B. Oh, I thought he did. I thought he did. Or was he that? recently, but he was always close to us, you know. But he wrote for H Street. That's what it was. Then he had his own brands after that because he had his brand Natural. Mm-hmm. And then um, when World did their company, after Girl split and they were their own thing, they did Girl and Chocolate, World retaliated with their brand Bitch. Yeah, I remember that. that. Brand? So Alf wrote for that brand. And uh, he had a model on that. Okay. I don't know why I thought he wrote for Plan B. I, cause I think just because he was on A Street, hung out with all you guys all the time, you know? I always yeah, thought, thought he was. Board with, with, with Plan B, with mm-hmm. his Energizer bunny. Yeah. Yeah, so he had a board on Plan B recently. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he – if he ever rode for Plan B, it wasn't for very long, and he didn't get a model that I know of. Oh, okay. You know, he never had a part in the Plan B videos, and he never had a model that I remember. Yeah. but I, I could be very, wrong. Danny, of course. You know? Yeah. Yeah, him and Danny dated together a lot. 
Yeah, definitely. No, that's pretty sick. I mean, just to think that you're about to get on with like Sheffy and Mike Carroll or Rick Howard. I mean, you're you're still part of that legendary team. You know what I mean? You're still part yeah. of that legendary plan B, but you were just like a hair second about to be on the team with like Carroll and those guys. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. And that's the funny part. When I got on Blockhead, it was the same thing. Like Adventures and Cheese was the video I remember. And I remember, you know, Rick Howard's part was one of my favorite parts in there. So when I'm about to get on Blockhead, it was like, oh, cool. I'll get to like skate and film with Rick Howard and stuff like that. And then uh, I get on and they're like, oh, well, Rick just left. He's going to do, I guess from there he went to Plan B then, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when he left to go to Plan B, that's when I got on Blockhead. Damn. You were just a hair inch, man. Just a hair. <laughs> well, I'm not, you know, a year or two younger than all those guys. So, yeah, I was I was right behind everybody. Damn. And, that, and if you would have got on Plan B right with, with them, dude, you would have been on Girl, dude. They would have grabbed you. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Because they did a questionable and then virtual reality. And I got on right after that when they started filming for Secondhand Smoke. Yeah, but your part with Secondhand Smoke was amazing, dude. Like, hands down. Like, other than your blockhead video and color video, like, the main thing that sticks in my mind in the color video is the beginning. I mean, your whole part was good, but the begin was it the beginning of the end when you all you over that that huge street gap in the the color video. Yeah. Oh yeah, but then the beginning of my part. Yeah, yeah. That that thing will always every time I I, I hang out with you, dude. Like that thing comes always in my head. Just like, damn, he did that. That's fucking insane. <laughs> that, that was one of the last clips we filmed because we had been filming for the whole video. And right towards the end, I was filming with Mark Oblo at Huntington High. And I was doing a line from like this little bump to grate over the bench. And somewhere in the middle, Oblo hit a rock or a crack or something. And he just fell and the whole camera smashed into pieces. Oh. And he used that same camera to film the whole video. So when that camera was smashed, we pretty much didn't have anyone else to film with. And then uh, I ended up down in San Diego. I think Chris Markovich lived with Ted Newsom at the time and they were doing their, um, what was it? Free clothing. I think they were doing a free clothing. And, mm -hmm. uh, at that time, I guess Ted Newsom had a camera, so he was down to film. So we ended up getting like the last three clips with him. They were like some of the, the biggest bangers that we got for the whole video. Because it was at the end of filming, we knew that we were almost done. So you're able to try something bigger and harder. And if you get hurt, at least you have a whole video part already together. So it was with him that I was able to get that uh, the kickflip down the the Tamarack double set. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like a like a five flat seven or seven flat eight or something like that. There's a long double set. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I got a kickflip down that thing, and then the same day we went further up the street. And that was the bump to gap. And we got that after it. Dude, that, that, that bump to gap was insane, dude. The the bump to gap, um, when I went back there recently, they had, because it was a bump on a sidewalk with a dirt gap where they had taken out a piece of the sidewalk where there probably used to be a tree or something. And it was like a little dirt gap. But um, they filled it in now with cement, but the lines are still there from where it was. Uh -huh. And uh, went back there and measured it out and it ended up being like 19 and a half feet from from the bump to the edge of the gap Dude. so and where you land so it's pretty much a 20 foot ollie on off a tiny little curb cut it's a mini mini curb cut yeah <laughs> that's the craziest part dude if anybody's seen it i've yeah. seen that thing dude i'm like 
holy shit, dude, that's insane. Well, I remember when I when I had looked at it, it was um, Jason Dill who spotted it first, and he was like, "Hey, what about Ollie and this thing from the boat?" And I went over and looked at it, and I was like, "No, there's no way that is not possible. It was it was further than what was possible on a skateboard at the time. There's no way that that was possible." Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Then I sat down, like, "No, that's not happening." He's like no you can do it and he's like watch i'll show you and he started trying it and uh yeah he ended up snapping some ollies and the way jason would try stuff he would like baby it try a little bit try a little bit more try a little bit harder but always kick it out every time and then like get a little further and he'd work his way towards what he was going for uh-huh. oh after enough tries he started getting going fast enough to try to clear it and uh at one point he was able to get himself and his board over the gap. Like his feet cleared the gap and his board after he kicked it out, cleared the gap too. What? At that point, you know, it's possible. Cause if you can do that, you can make it. Yeah. Then like the next try, he came up a little short and got both of his feet on the edge of the, the curb, like on the edge of the gap and like folded his feet, gave him like almost like a primo from the cement. And he was wearing Vans, so like you felt every bit of that. It was like landing Primo super hard off a big gap. So folded his feet. He was bummed. Like he's done. And he's like, "Well, now that I proved it's possible, you got to do it." So he told me to get up there and do it. I'm like, all right, I'll do it for you. Let's try it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just remember at the time, it's a little bit of a downhill to the bump. So you're going down the sidewalk, and not only are you bombing a hill, but you're pushing. So I was pushing as fast as I possibly could while bombing the hill. And it's probably the fastest I'd ever gone on a skateboard before. And then snapped Ollie and trying to ride out of it. So I just remember it was super sketchy going that fast on the tiny little wheels. Cause we were probably on like 40 millimeter wheels at the time. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I was able to get that thing to snap and clear it. Did, do, you, do, you have, make- do you have an idea how fast you were going? I mean, if you clocked it, it's got to be somewhere between 35 and 40. Holy so probably shit. Eight zone. That'd be my best guess. Damn. And then those, Check. and back then, those wheels. So, starts getting kind of fast and sketchy. Mm-hmm. It's right around that 35 mark, you know? Yeah. So, and yeah, I'm, I'm pushing past that zone, just actually taking hard pushes, trying to get faster and then just snap it. I wanted to go as fast as possible just to see if I could make it across it and, and clear it. And that's what it took to make it. So, yeah, it was funny to look at it and know that it was not possible to making it happen, you know? Yeah. Only possible if you go faster than your normal speed, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. And and to the the listeners, you got to understand, back then, the wheels was like, what, 39, 40 millimeters? Like, super. Right around then, we were riding the the Spitfire Lil Smokies. They were 40 millimeter wheels. And going 35 miles, like, thinking 35 miles per hour, that's that's pretty gnarly, dude. And with cracks. <laughs> yeah, pushing and pushing and pushing and then trying to get set up to snap an ollie. Dude, that's insane, dude. That's that's incredible, dude. Like, that's just, that's power. I mean, that's all I can say. That's totally power right there, man. Well, and the funniest part of that clip is um, the kids afterwards that uh, showed up, they hadn't seen any of the tries before. So they rolled up right when I made it. So there's a kid walking and a kid on a bike. And, uh, yeah, they rolled up and just could not believe what they just saw. <laughs> At the time, like, nobody was ollieing that far. Mm. It had never been done before, you know? 
And like even like ollieing the dirt gap by itself without the bump, just on flat, like that would have been difficult for those days, mm-hmm. you know. And that would have been amazing to those little guys. But what they saw, they were like, that just is not possible. And I would have agreed with them because it wasn't possible until it happened. You yeah, know? yeah. Did you get yeah. did, did you get put in the, uh, the world Guinness Book of Records or anything or what? No, you have to have that stuff verified, and they have to come out and see it themselves or something like that. Uh... But, yeah, that would have been a, a Guinness Book World Record length for sure. Because I'm positive no one had ollied that far on a skateboard before. No, no. You know? I think you're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so far to this day, like if you if you try to ollie anywhere close to 19 feet, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. And then, I mean, it, I mean, your career has has gone off so good. Yeah, I mean, you wrote for so many good companies. I mean, you make drop some amazing video parts. I mean, I mean, you're, you know, things that people are still talking about. You know, I mean, and, and that was the best part of all of it was just having the opportunity to film for videos and just trying to come up with things that were new and different, and you know, just trying to do something that had never been seen before. You know, yeah, and just fix further because people were just ollieing stuff we figured out we could pop flip and catch some tricks and you could carry it over bigger gaps so we started doing more tech stuff down bigger stair sets like you know doing flip tricks down the double sets trying to do switch flip tricks down the double sets and then taking it onto the triple sets and even later quadruple sets you know just trying to push it as far as we possibly could yeah because you because you did the san diego convention center didn't you yeah you did yeah that one was another one where it was completely impossible. It wasn't in the range of possibility to ollie that far with the amount of speed that you had. But um, the more we went there and the more we skated the double set, every time we went there to skate the double set, I would walk up and, and just look at the top of the triple set and just just take it in, you know? And it was like, nope, it's still impossible. And then uh, one of the later times when I went there, I was doing stuff down the double set. I was a little more comfortable with flying down that thing and doing more like tech tricks down it. Then I started realizing that it was getting closer to the realm of possibility. And then there was just that one day I went up there and looked at it and like, now I know that I can do this. Like I'm at the point. Yep. It is possible now. So I had to just find out and try it. So, and and I, I didn't get it the first day I tried it, but uh, the, the next time I went back, I got it. Yeah, you just, all you have to do is pop that tail and just close your eyes and say, I got to land this. <laughs> There's no bailing out on this thing. Yeah, because the first day when I tried it, I was trying it on a different one that's out in front. Mm-hmm. And it has a downhill takeoff. So, like, when you hit your tail, I don't know if you know, like, when you ollie, when you're going down a hill, it doesn't pop the same. Yeah. Like, if you're on flat ground, you get a certain pop. When you're ollieing off a bump, you get a better pop. When you're ollieing off something downhill... It gives you less pop because your board gets less steep, so you can't level it out as high. Mm-hmm. And the takeoff at the top, like that last maybe, you know, two and a half to three feet, is angled downhill a little bit, so it gives you like a negative pop. We used to say, so it was hard to get down it on that. And I, I gave it two solid tries and kicked out both of them because it just didn't give me the right ollie to stay on my feet. And then, uh, you know, I thought about it for a while, and when we went back. I checked out all the different ones and found the one in the back that had the flattest takeoff and it's the same distance, same height, same everything, but it's just a flatter takeoff at the top. And that's the one I was able to do. 
Yeah, that, that's just that's just legendary, man. Like that's just that's insane. You know, that's that's a lot of respect because I mean that's I mean if anybody ever been there or seen it or tried to skate it, that's that's just that's just craziness. <laughs> well, aside from how far the thing was, it had the least run up. Mm-hmm. It's just such short run up, so you have to run. You can't just start and push and get enough speed. You have to run as fast as you can, throw your board down, and then give it like I think you had enough time for one solid push. And you had to have enough speed from that to get it. And that was the hardest part was just getting the speed. That was the biggest challenge of getting down it. Because if you had unlimited runway and you could just push all the way, it'd be a lot easier to clear it and do other stuff down it too. Yeah. But that short run up was what made it harder to get it done. Yeah. And and then you came out with shoes too, didn't you? Like with uh, audio or, or was that after a different brand or what? The first chance I had to do and design a shoe and stuff like that was through Plan B. When Mike T was still around, he um he wanted to do a shoe company through Plan B, but he didn't want to call it Plan B Shoes. Mm-hmm. Have um, something that was tied to the brand that um, could be its own shoe brand, and because uh, he knew that's that's the direction that the market was going. There was going to be bigger things happening in shoes, and that people were going to start getting pro shoe models. He saw it happening with Vans and Etnies and just, he called it like, this is, this is the direction it's going and we got to get into that too. We got to get a a shoe brand going. So he uh, was talking to me about it and he kind of just let me have the reins. Like here, here's a project. We need some ideas and we need a design. So he let me run and do my thing. So I came up with the name Dukes. I drew up the logo and I designed the first shoe. Oh, I remember those. Yeah, I even got to design the the boxes and the hang tags and everything that went into that shoe. It was just from pencil to paper to turning it in and getting it done. Yeah, I remember those, dude. Yeah. When I got the whole thing done and ready to go, right when the shoes were um, going through the sample stages, that's when uh, Mike T got in a car accident Mm -hmm. and passed away. Yeah. So at that point, we didn't know what was going to happen with all of that either. Like, it was all kind of up in the air. So I ended up having a meeting with Steve Rocco and showed him everything that we had so far and asked him what he wanted to do with it. And he was down to make it happen and actually make the brand a reality. So we ended up following through and getting the samples in and, and making the first Duke shoes. And the first model was were the J-dubs. Yep, I remember those too. <laughs> but I didn't want a pro model shoe yet. At that point, I didn't think I had earned it. And there were other people that were well-established pros that didn't have their name on a shoe yet. Uh So I thought it was a little early to be throwing my name on a shoe. So I just called it the (laughs) J-dubs and my name wasn't actually on the shoe. Uh I was able to put my name on the hang tag that you removed from the shoe and then uh, just call it the J-dub and that was it. That way I could skate in them and feel good about it. (laughs) You just look down like J-dub and you're the only one that knows they're your shoes, you know? Yep. And they were a solid skate shoe. They're still like, if, if you're able to skate in those today, they would feel perfect. They're they're still in line with what is good today. Yeah, that's sick, dude. The fit and feel and thickness of the midsole, and just the way they skated. They they were a good solid skate shoe. And then and then how was it like making your own like designing and building your own sh- or making your own shoes? What was it like? Just a lot of learning. I. uh was working with some of the guys that uh, were doing the Duff's shoes. So that's where we were doing it out of. So I worked with one of the designers there and he kind of showed me what the different parts of a shoe were 
what they were called, how it worked, what they're made of, what the options were. And then between his knowledge of shoes and my knowledge of skateboarding, that we were able to come together and make the perfect skate shoe. So he was the perfect person to talk to about this stuff because he knew everything that was possible in making shoes. And I knew everything from skateboarding that a shoe needed to have to make it work properly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a good match. Definitely. That's sick, dude. And then that's when – did you have other, another shoe brand? New, what, did you ride for another shoe before audio, or was it straight out, straight to audio after that? Well, Dukes, um, in the end, ended up being owned by World Industries. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Steve Rocco had a chance to sell the brand – to a Canadian um, holding company. So he just sold it. He didn't um, want to keep building it or, you know, keep making shoes or even keep the brand alive. He wanted to just get out right where it was at. I think he just got an offer that was, that was worth it for him and he just let go of the brand. Mm -hmm. So from then I was looking to do something else. And around the same time, I guess Jamie Thomas had just left America and uh yeah we just talked to each other like what about doing something together and then i think he's the one that linked up with uh chris miller and found out they were thinking of starting something too so we were able to all just join forces and make uh audio happen and uh jamie thomas was the one that pulled steve barra in as well yeah he thought it would be a good compliment to both of us so we could be like you know a trio to start this brand off so it was the three of us, yeah, and we, we were able to come up with the name Audio, and Jose Gomez came up with the logo for this one, and yeah, we were up and running. Dude, that's sick. I mean, I mean, Audio was such good, uh, such a good brand, and such had an amazing team, you know, and you got some great videos, you know. Yeah, Audio was a good group of people. Like they they really knew what they were doing, and it was it was fun working with them, and they were just uh, skateboarders, you know. The only problem with audio was that uh, the skateboarders didn't own the company. It was backed by a larger company that uh, was one of those, you know, large investing companies, a holding company that owned other companies like. Uh, like Bill Bond kind of like, like whatever. They like Coleman camping supplies mm-hmm. and Rawlings baseball gloves and K2 ski and snow snowboard stuff and uh, all the mountain biking and uh Turns out there were a bunch of brands, like just his huge brands that were owned by this company. And out of all of them, Audio was the smallest brand they had. So they were just the, the backers and investors of this, this brand. But yeah, in skateboarding, Audio was a big brand compared to other skateboard companies. But in the scheme of that kind of business, we were the smallest brand to them. Yeah. You- and that, that ended up what um, lost um, Audio because we weren't the ones that owned it or had any control over what happened with the company. And when a larger company than the company that owned K2 and all those guys wanted to buy them out, that's what happened. Two of the biggest companies, I think it was two rival boating companies. They were having a problem like just with competition and they wanted to take them out. The way it was explained to me, it was like Coke and Pepsi and Coke decided to just to buy out Pepsi. So it'd all be owned by one thing. And that's what happened with the two boating companies. Yeah. And turns you were on the, the smaller side of that. So when they went through all the brands, um, they just didn't see the the value in keeping it going. So they, they let it go. They just chopped it up and sold it off. 
Yeah, that, that's that's just sad to do. I mean, because you know, I'm gonna get off a little bit on the subject of, of skateboarding, but I mean, just hearing you saying about a corp corporate company coming in and like are owning a skate brand, and all of a sudden just say, "Hey, you know what? They're a small brand. We're not making money off of these guys. We'll just cut them." You know, and then they have, you know, they gotta come in and cut like half of the all the workers, all the pro riders, everybody that that put, you know blood and sweat to this company to build it you know that's just that's just sad you know that's that's business that's how it goes yeah it is it's sad but yep you learn a lot from it yeah that, and uh, yeah you always got to watch out who's uh really holding the cards yeah and who's in and do you think that that's what's changing skateboarding or you think it's, it's skateboarding is getting stronger and and more smarter about it I don't even know. I think the corporations have won the battle in this one. Oh, you do? Because if you look, you know, the shoe brands that are in skateboarding right now and who's like in control and who has all the power, it's not skater owned brands right now. Yeah. It could, but it's not. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, yeah, just a bigger, better opportunity comes around and people start taking those deals and it makes that brand stronger, makes that name stronger and uh, other people, other skateboarders that just look up to the the pros that they know they'll start following suit and uh yeah all of a sudden it's not skaters in charge anymore yeah it's it's sad i mean we we need to we need to take back our 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 industry <laughs> yeah there there will be a time i think it will come back around cuz uh you know like even in the early 80s to mid 80s when like the huge brands in skateboarding there was like the big top 5 mm-hmm. they were controlling everything and uh they were the biggest skate brands and at some point some skateboarders decided that they thought they could do it better on their own and that's when all the little brands started popping up and for a while the little brands were reigning supreme you know yeah they they took charge and they were the ones in control because they could move a lot faster and change things a lot quicker than than the big companies yeah but big companies realized that something was changing it was already too late for them to change in time yeah they all just kind of got left out and the little brands came up. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what's going on right now, you know, with so many skate brands, you know, sport brands. And, you know, I'm start, right. starting to see wheel brands coming out. And, you know, yeah. and, and I slowly seen some shoe brands coming out, but not as much. But, I mean, that's what's going on right now, yeah. you know. Yeah, because it takes more organization to get the shoe brands off the ground because you need larger investment, you know. Yeah. Because you need invest in those molds, get the, the shoes made. And it's a lot to get the manufacturing done. But uh, if you know that your designs are going to be solid and people are going to buy them and people are going to want to skate in them, and yeah, if you know you can sell them, then you're good. Yeah, you're golden. You, 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 hit, you hit the market. <laughs> yeah, you have to know what you're doing and you have to make sure your designs are on point. Yeah, definitely. So what are you doing now, man? Like what, what, what do you got planned for, you know, your, what's going on now after, you know, not, you're not leaving the industry, but you're kind of like doing your own thing now, right? Yeah, I mean, I've had all the sponsors and, you know, been a sponsored pro. Mm. Been where my name's on products for other companies and, you know, I get the royalty cut and they get the rest. But, um, yeah, we had an opportunity where me and my brother Jonas could start our own brand and just do our own skate company our, our way. And I already know how to do all the designs for graphics. I know what's best for boards and, you know, I, I have a higher quality standard than most of the brands out there. So I want to make sure our boards are, are the best quality they can be and not use like the cheaper glue or the cheaper wood. So 
yeah, I want our boards to be the best. And that'll go a long way in the long run. Yeah. And what's the name of the company? We won't make much on each board because we're, you know, putting a lot of money into the quality, mm-hmm. but our boards are going to last longer and uh, they're going to skate better than, you know, the cheaper wood that you're getting with these other brands. Even the biggest brands are using the, the worst quality stuff because they get a, a bigger profit margin at the end. Yeah. And, and, you know, and if you break it, they're just, they know you're going to go buy another one, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, and, yeah, we want our last and we want to take care of the people that are, you know, supporting our brand. And, and what's the name of your brand? We have Ray Bros brand. It's me and Jonas. Um, our last name is Ray. We're the Ray brothers. So we named it Ray Bros. Dude, that's a, that's a tight name, dude. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Tongue twister for some because they don't uh, know how to say our last name Ray very well. <laughs> so, and where yeah. and where can the viewers get your stuff at? I mean, is there a certain there's a yeah, site we have, or raybros.com? It's W R A Y B R O S dot com. And uh yeah, right before the holidays, we sold out of every single deck we had in stock. So right now it's pretty slim on the site. But um all the manufacturing's backed up because of COVID. All the wood shops are slammed, so that no one's taking orders right now. And uh, so what we can do right now is shift over to um, T-shirts and hats and sweatshirts and sunglasses and whatever else we can make with a quicker turnaround time. And then uh, we'll get the boards back in there as soon as we can. But we'll be doing some reissues of some of the older graphics that I had through, like, uh, through Plan B and maybe even some color decks um, in the near future. So, and we'll try to get through some of Jonas's too. Like Jonas had some cool boards on a black label and also on clean skateboards and maybe even a media one or two that, uh, we can throw some reissues for him too, for all of the Jonas Ray fans out there. Oh yeah, dude. That's, Hey, I remember those blockhead boards that are not blackhead, but black label boards that Jonas had. And yeah. there's some badass ones, dude. <laughs> Jonas thick black label boards. Cause, uh, John Lucero was doing the graphics for those. So yeah, he always had a good, good eye for for rad graphics. And, and I saw y'all had Pat Chinita on, on board, right? Yeah. Pat Chinita has been riding for Ray Bros since the beginning. Um, yeah, it was me and Jonas, Pat Chinita and Paul Luna. Damn. That's our team of four since the beginning. We haven't added any, anyone else yet, but, um, yeah, as we build the brand, we'll expand and we'll get some more people, um, that, uh, we can help out, you know, Oh yeah, we got to grow first and then, uh, have other people come along for the ride. Oh, yeah, that's sick, dude. Like, how's it feel to have your own brand? Like, you're, you're in control of your own brand the way it is because you're not dealing with, I don't mean to say his name, but you're not dealing with people like a Rob or, or other people, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's it's good because we get to do it on our own uh, own schedule, but it's also, like, I don't stay on myself as much as I would if someone else was on top of me, like a boss saying, you got to get this done by this time or we got to have this much stuff out by this date. We really do it just whenever we feel like it, you know, we're not following the seasons. We make the boards when we want to, we make as many as we want when they're sold out, they're gone, move on to the next thing. And, uh, yeah, we're not doing like full product drops for the summer season or anything like that. We just make the products as they come when the designs are done and when the boards are in and when the shirts are done, you know, then it goes up on the site. Dude, that's so. sick, dude. That's awesome, man. And and you guys came out with a new graphic too, didn't y'all? Yeah, we have new graphics all the time. Um, Not new graphic, I mean logo, like a new logo for Ray Bros. Yeah, we've been shifting around with the logos a bit. Um, I've been doing, I do all the graphics and logo work myself. So sometimes I'll just knock something around until it looks right or feels right. And then we'll, 
you know, move on to the next thing. So, yeah, we always have new logos and we're trying to just come up with something that, that we can all proudly get behind, you know? Yeah. So, and something that's recognizable that everyone can uh, see and be proud of. Dude, that's sick, dude. And and then, like, where can people, like, follow you guys? Like, Ray Bros, like, is there, you guys have an Instagram or so, anything on social media that these guys can follow or what? Yeah, um, most of the stuff goes through my own Instagram, which is Jeremy underscore Ray. So it's J-E-R-E-M-Y underscore W-R-A-Y. And uh, yeah, anything new that's happening, I drop through there. But uh, we also have our Ray Bros um, brand Instagram that I've been building up. Um, and that one's just W-R-A-Y-B-R-O-S on Instagram. So yeah, that's the, the actual brand page. So you can go there for news. And then Jonas has his own. Um, it's at Jonas Ray. So J-O-N-A-S-W-O-R-A-Y. All right. So you hear that, viewers. Find- Make sure you go follow him and, 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 and spread the love, man. Yeah. No, and we're putting out skate edits. Like, it's usually me, Jonas, and Pat going out now and uh, bringing out our GoPro and filming a couple clips whenever we get out. Um, the last little line we got of Pat yesterday is a, a good one. It's worth going on and checking out right now. Is that is that the one with you guys at the uh, at the park? Yeah, we went to Palm Lane Park, and uh, Pat had a cool, fun little line that he got second try. Just threw something out for fun, and he's he's quick like that. Yeah. He's got fat feet. Yeah, I I, so. I shared that on my end. <laughs> that was that was yeah. a dope ass clip, Look, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's him just playing around. So imagine when we get our stuff together and we want to make a real video. Um, yeah, Pat is really impressive. Are you guys going to make a promo video or like a little like a teaser thing or anything? We've uh, come up from time to time and made little edits, but we never officially released anything because we were building up toward that, doing that during the summer. And then we had another um, manufacturing hiccup with getting the boards in in time. Mm-hmm. So we just got to get everything to line up all together, get the boards, get the videos, get a... Uh, all the product in at once and drop that video. Hey, and, and yeah. unless you know, viewers, they make some bomb ass sunglasses too, man. You got to get those Ray Broke yeah. sunglasses. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. We were getting known for the sunglasses because we had those as like um, just a fun um, giveaway. And Jonas would do all the laser engraving on the sunglasses and personalize them. And they were just, they came out rad and they were just fun to have. And, you know, we'd sell them on the site and, uh, you know, if someone ordered a board, sometimes we'd throw a pair in for them just as a as a freebie gift to say thank you for ordering with us. And uh, yeah, then we start seeing people wearing these glasses all around. We we made sure that they got out there, so it's fun to see them out there in the world. Yeah, I, I think I got like four or five pairs from Jonas. Yeah, we keep making different <laughs> ones, and so the last round had a little shaka after them. So we had like matching uh, sunglasses and keychains with little Ray Bros shaka. Oh, uh, that's sick, dude. I think the last one I got was the blue and white ones. Yeah. So those ones, um, the last round had the Ray Bros Shaka, and it said skateboarding on the other arm. So it says Ray Bros skateboarding. Oh, yeah, dude. And then you're doing art, too. You're doing this whole thing of, like, a collabo art or something like that. I saw you post something, or you're doing, like, a whole art show or something. Well, I've been getting hit up um, more regularly now for people that just want to have uh, my artwork on their on their products. So. I'll get hit up by like a brand, a skate brand that wants me to do just a graphic for them. So I'll just throw my artwork their way, do like a little collab. And uh, yeah, there's been a few things popping up. So I did one with a brand called Verb. And uh, yeah, they just 
wanted some artwork and wanted it to look like my old stuff that they remember from the early 90s. So I gave them something that they wanted and it looked good. And then uh, I did one with uh, the guys over at 40 Skateboards. They're over across the pond too in in Europe. And uh, we did an art collab with them. So I did the Drip Fish board. That'll be the first production run of those to come out. I think those are still available right now at uh, 40skateboards.com probably. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, but 40's on a... Uh, on Instagram too. So you can look them up there. And uh, yeah, I think those ones are still available for, for even pre-order right now. So take a look for those. Those are fun. That's sick, dude. And, and then I see you also too promoting uh, that musician too. So what's going on with that? The musician. Oh, who sent us a yeah, you, little live stream with that guy. I can't remember his name. Put up edits all the time. And uh, we usually have to have music behind them. It makes it more fun rather than just the raw sounds of skating. Yeah. So a lot of our soundtrack stuff um, has been done by our buddy, Matt Marcus. Okay. So he um, does a lot of just cool hip hop style beats and um, yeah, he just mixes up his own stuff and he'll send us over something from time to time and uh, we'll put it in the background of the edits. Well, other people started seeing what we were doing. They'll be like, Hey, I got this music. You want to try this out? So yeah, just recently, um, the sticks champion hit us up and he sent me over a little something that he had made. And I guess it was um, based off something he saw in the old age street videos. So he kind of redid his version of that little tune. So that was on the last edit with Pat at Palm lane. Yeah, that was, that was a sick edit. That, that definitely was and in that, in the music too, you know? Yep. Definitely. And then another guy um, that Eddie rap life turned us on to. Um, How's he doing, dude? Good. He went back home to the East Coast, but he'll probably pop over to our side soon enough. I mean, it's it's probably pretty cold over there. Yeah, it is cold. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. He stayed with us for a while over that last summer, and uh, he just got to skate all the stuff with us. But um, I'm trying to think of his buddy's name that was giving us some music too. Um, it was Ionize or something. I don't I don't can't spell it right, but it was always on my Instagram. If you look back on our edits. Yeah, this guy um did rad um guitar work mm-hmm. and he had so many tracks. And uh yeah, I think it was Eye on Eye. So yeah, if you look back you'll find some of his stuff too. But yeah, look out for him. He's been putting out albums and stuff recently as well. Yeah. So all right, I'll check him out. And viewers check him out too, you know. And then one last thing, what do you want to say to the upcoming skaters, artists? You know, someone that wants to start their own brand. Like, do you have anything you want to say to these people? Yeah, I mean, just stay true to what you're doing. Know your worth. And just uh, don't let anyone tell you you're not good enough. You know, just believe in yourself and keep doing what you love. And, uh, yeah, just just don't quit, you know. Yeah, you'll go through some tough times trying to make it work and make it happen. We all do. But if you keep going and you are on the right path, just keep doing it. It'll eventually, hopefully, work out. It usually does, you know. Hell yeah, dude! Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. And and do you have anything planned? I mean, I know it's just a new year, and we just got over the. I call it the leap year because you know, twenty twenty was actual a leap year, so that didn't even count. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Anything planned? I know for us, it's just skateboarding, filming, and uh, getting our products um in place we got to get everything made so it's for me right now it's going to be designing mostly so i'll be in front of the computer doing more um graphics and logos getting the new designs ready for the boards that are upcoming 
and then making sure everything's on schedule. Cause it's really, it's just me and Jonas doing all this stuff on our own. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're handling everything. So it's a lot of work, but you know, in the end, it's what we want to do. So we're going to keep at it. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, well, you know, you know, I support you guys hundred percent, whatever you guys do, man. Cause you guys put yeah. out some, let me tell you viewers, they put out the most, and I wrote them road rainbow boards and they're yeah. freaking amazing, dude. I, I, they have great pop. They're, they're, they're so good, dude. That's all I'm going to say. They're, you have to get them guys. Yeah, definitely. I've been, I've been on the same board for longer than I normally ride a board. The thing has been lasting and lasting and it hasn't sogged out yet. So I'm going to keep riding it until it dies. <laughs> but, yeah, I've, I've been soaked with how long they actually do last. Yeah, they're definitely good, dude. I a hundred percent back you guys, but Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on, man. And thank you so yeah. much for what you have done for skateboarding and, and doing for skateboarding now. And, and, you know, you, you, we wouldn't be here without you, you know? Right on, yeah, and look out for those trick days. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, those trick days. I love those, man. The, 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 the yeah, front. I'm gonna keep rolling. I, I did it all year, one of the other years. This one I kind of started in the middle just for fun to bring it back. So I don't know how long I'm gonna take it this time, but uh, yeah, every day I put up a trick, usually just a basic something that people can learn from, something to have fun with, you know. And usually, if I know a little bit of history on it, I'll, I'll share what I know. So those are fun to look out for. Oh yeah, dude! I, I know. I, I I reposted your uh, board slide one you did. I was I read it and I was like, dude, this is pretty sick. I'm gonna post this, repost this for for the kids to other skaters, young skaters that want to like learn how to board slide or want to know the history of it. You know. Yep. And uh, yeah, Pat Chinita helped me with that one. He was there that day and filmed it for me because usually the trick of day I'm by myself, so I'll just set my phone down and uh, do a trick and edit it from there so whenever i'm with someone else who can hold the camera and go with me makes it a little more interesting having that moving shot oh yeah hell yeah dude and hey i'll be back out i'll be back out west in five months so we'll have to do a i'll be ready to go to a ray party no nice yeah come on through. we'll take care hell of you yeah definitely brother well hey thank you so much for coming on the show man and i wish you and your family the best of luck and 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 success in this in this 2021 dude right on much appreciated